Hello and welcome to the Related to Geeks podcast. We are back again, at, as always, at Tinker's Tavern on the first Monday of the month. And tonight we are going to discuss a topic that my dad came up with. Dad, would you like to explain this topic? Well, there's a uh, D&D trope called uh, Murder Hobos. That is characters or um, uh, questing units, parties, adventuring parties that they go and they see something and then they fight and they kill it and then they go and they see something and then they fight and they kill it and then they go and they see something and they fight and they kill it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's, it is not my preferred style of play. I like it even less than the, um, the common type of player characters. It's a fighter who all he cares about is the battles, but he still kind of puts up with all the rest of it, you know, and uh, is still a member of the party, kind of. But uh, uh, there are, there have always been D&D players that uh, see the combat as the game. It grew out of uh, war games, and uh, so there have always been, uh, so that's kind of what we're talking about. Murder hobos and uh, uh how to keep that from interfering with your game if you are running a game that where you don't like that or if you're even just playing in a game and you don't Mm -hmm. like that you know so um anyway that's the topic but let's uh do our geek agenda first yeah yeah sounds good um i'll go ahead and do my geek agenda which is pretty straightforward um it's video games um that's that's typically my default geek agenda but i've i've continue to be playing Minecraft and then um, my my YouTube channel which is Megantopia um, my Indie 5 where I basically play through and give a brief uh, impression on five different indie games um, that's that's has three episodes up now and I did a recommendation video for the Steam sale and everything's doing really well right now with the YouTube channel it's starting to get a footing and grow a little bit of an audience which which is nice and very motivating so I've continued to play a lot of indie games and been really enjoying my time with with indie games particularly yeah and you did a uh, steam sale review I think I saw that one and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so um, it had it had that one where everything was in black and white like drawings Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah I thought Vivian might like that um, so maybe sometime I'll yeah. try to install that for. Does that yeah. did that seem one like one she might like to you? Yeah, the game's called um, Hidden Folk, and it's um, a basically an I Spy or Where's Waldo yeah. slash Wally, wherever you're from. Um, but it's a it's a it's a really simple hidden object game with a lot of attention to detail and made by a very um, creative team that did a lot of hand drawn art for it and all of the sound effects are just like weird mouth sounds so like there's a lot of like whoops and and things like that (laughs) uh which is really cute um but yeah i think mom would enjoy that it's a very nice relaxing kind of casual game yeah um so what was the title of that video the one where you reviewed the steam I'm not looking at my channel right okay. now. What are you is it a to? is it an Indie Five release? No, it's, it's not an Indie Five release. I just separate Megantopia. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's just Steam Cell Recommendations, 25 indie games. Okay. So, um, um, and uh, you got a lot of traffic cuts through that and some subscriptions and all that, which is great. And I think a lot of that is because of the title. I think YouTubers really work hard on those clickbait titles. Mm-hmm. You, know, you also have to deliver or they just watch one minute and leave, you know. But uh, um, I think titles are really important in YouTube channels. Yeah. Well, I've gotten a lot of good positive feedback. I've gotten, like, you know, a lot of people saying I deserve more subscribers or that they really enjoyed my content. Um, got one got one person that called me a hick. So, you know, <laughs> you I, hick. I, already, I have my first, like, you know, just troll comment, which is nice. I've, I've hit a lot of milestones in the past couple of weeks when it comes to YouTube. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's been really fun. Yeah, the Steam sale one is at... 1,400 views. It hit 1,000 yesterday, so it's gained 400 views in a day. That's great. Yeah. And it's on YouTube? It's on the YouTubes. Okay. Yeah. All right, Dad, what's your what's your geek agenda? Okay, well, um, I bought an Ewe, and an Ewe is an electronic wind instrument. And um, the performance Ewe's have all the synthesizer and everything right in the horn. And uh, they're quite pricey, um, uh, $800, you know. If you get even a used one less than $700, you are pretty lucky. And um, so they hold their value great, but, uh, but like I said, pricey. And uh, here I am locked in um, because of the pandemic. And uh, uh, so I thought, who cares if it runs into a computer? It's sure it's a pain to have to ca- carry a computer with you to perform, but uh, setting it for a studio use, you know, the computer's fine. So I bought an Ewe. That is an electronic wind instrument, and I bought the Ewe USB, and I got a bargain at that. So um, it is possible to own an Ewe even if you're poor. <laughs> and uh, but. After I bought the Ewe, I was I had it out and I was practicing and trying to learn how to play it a little, and uh, I realized I didn't have a case, and even though I got a bargain, it was still an expense, and so I wanted to make my own case, and so I scratched my head a while and I started looking around at old junk I had, and I found a old small guitar case for a student size or kid size guitar, that that had damage to it on the back side of it. And I thought, um, I, I will just cut that off and turn it into an Ewe case. So my Ewe case um, used to be a guitar case, but but when you set a guitar case on the ground where that uh, rounded part is that the guitar goes in, that's all cut out flat. So um, it won't really hold a guitar anymore. Um, and I also built some compartments inside so the Ewe would be protected. And uh, uh, I used wood um, to uh, fill in where the uh, where I cut the case off. Um, so that's been really a fun project. It, it uses some gluing, so and uh, I've been working on it over a period of days. And I have this really neat case that looks like a weird guitar case, but it's for my Ewe. Mm-hmm. I uh, I just imagined you like plugging in a uh, 
a green fruit with a brown furry skin on it into your computer <laughs> the entire time you were talking there. It was quite amusing. Yes. And um, you can also visualize me with this little bitty cardboard guitar case and uh, uh, skill saw. Because <laughs> that's, that's the way I did it. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> Same dad, just a little older. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mom, do you have a geek agenda? Probably not. <laughs> well, you've been doing a lot of crosswords. I do what? You've been doing a lot of crosswords. Is that geeky? I guess. <laughs> I would assume. <laughs> I mean, Norma did crosswords. And That's so. true. <laughs> That's where I inherited it from. Words, words are in fact geeky, are they? Especially if you do them crosswise. I'm working on a set of 400 crossword puzzles. Mmm. How far along are you? I'm on 50 something. Oh. <laughs> oh, you got something to keep you busy. Yeah, it's not going very fast. But yeah, I I enjoy it, and uh, that's. I don't do them every day, but... Yeah. See, I think I have a good vocabulary, and then I try to do a crossword puzzle and realize I do not. <laughs> crossword vocabulary is not the same as English vocabulary. <laughs> there are a lot of words that are used frequently in crosswords that no one else ever speaks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, now, <laughs> a lot of those are archaic words that were used in the 1800s sometimes even older see geek yeah <laughs> that's what I got out of all that <laughs> you talk well, about the 1800s son you're automatically a geek <laughs> well I wasn't there so <laughs> <laughs> thanks for verifying that <laughs> I am sometimes fascinated with the 1800s as far as everyday life goes because it's uh, in some ways very similar to everyday uh, now, but so non-now, you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, there's no electricity, there's no, you know, there was running water, uh, not like we know it, but definitely it would be piped into the house and they would have a, a well pump mm -hmm. or a, a small pump in the kitchen or wherever to pump the water into containers or whatever. But I've always been interested in what uh, families did in you know, long time ago to make life easier on them. So I'm a little bit fascinated by geeky stuff, I guess. Yeah, you might be a geek yet. <laughs> and that um, leads us into a shared geek agenda that Vivian and I have. We just found on YouTube that castle series where they actually build a medieval castle using medieval tools. 
Mm. And, oh, uh, yeah. and they also delve into the daily life, the food they ate, the houses they lived in, how they slept, clothes they wear, etc. So you get you get both the high fantasy building a castle and the low fantasy daily life of the peasants. <laughs> mm. Anyway, that's a really good show and I recommend it. We've only watched the first one, so we may report back in on that later. Okay. You know the channel name or anything like that? Mm, it's a PBS show and I think it's called ah. Castle or I think it's Castle something. I don't know. I I'll Castle something up. Castle I'll, something PBS. Got it. Yeah. I'll I'll uh, look it up and I'll, you uh, I'll add a link. Awesome. Okay. Do the He's link to all right, so murder hobos. <laughs> yeah. I'm killing it with transitions. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, uh, Follow Me and Die is on Gamer Plus, and he did a blog post. And um, there's been a reaction to uh, Black Lives Matter protests. And uh, like um, the Me Too movement and like gay marriage, um, uh, the time has come uh, for Black Lives Matter, and it is now a majority issue. Mm-hmm. And um, um, so a lot of places are realizing, even the Washington Redskins are changing their name. So a lot of places are realizing that they've been part of the problem. And there have been complaints um, about Dungeons & Dragons. Because yep. orcs, you know, you just, everybody hates orcs and you just kill them. But some people want to play orcs or they want to play half orcs. So they wanted to play an orc. So you got to play a half orc. You couldn't play an orc. And yeah. So um, uh, uh, it doesn't directly relate to Black Lives Matter in America, but it does relate to prejudice against the other mm-hmm. um, throughout literature and history. And um, so... Uh, 5e is developing orc characters and giant characters and other um, so you can play races that were considered as Carl puts it the spawn of the devil not born but the spawn of the devil yeah Mm -hmm. Um, and there um, and some players are upset about that and some aren't Um, but there is a, a type of player like I mentioned earlier or a party that kind of goes out and maybe they're killing monsters, maybe they're killing bandits, maybe they're, you know, killing soldiers. Who knows, but they're killing things all the time. And um, and it's a kind of the, there's DMs that do it too, you know, it's all, it's all the way the game's played. And I think 5e kind of lends itself to it more than OSR games, but still happened in OSR games. I complain plenty of times about fighters who all they wanted to do was get into a battle and then as soon as that battle was over they were kind of like tapping their fingers until they got into the next battle so it goes all the way back in Dungeons and Dragons it goes all the way back in fantasy literature the uh, prejudice against the other and the monsters that turn out not to be so monstrous once you get to know them well if you remember I talked to you about when I was at ASUBB, right after I graduated from high school, it was my first introduction to this kind of gameplay. 
and all uh, it was me and that five guys and all they cared about was battle that's all they wanted to do and I always thought you know I hope this isn't going to be the way this game plays out but mm -hmm. I guess it still is to some extent but. well that was pre D&D &D, and, uh, and that fantasy role playing there grew like uh, it grew out of um, war gaming um, the Battle of Gettysburg and other mm -hmm. war games like that and so um, there was at the very beginning us, us and even before Dungeons and Dragons and other role playing games um, there was a lot of uh, tables where all it was was one fight after another yeah well I think having me there was four guys and me um, kind of I don't know that it really made them not you know want to be in a fight with me there or what but anyway they kind of toned it down quite a bit when I was playing and uh, I always thought that was kind of uh, <laughs> fake or whatever well while there she's here we won't do it but as soon as you leave <laughs> that was out. pre pre Xena girls can't fight <laughs> Because, you know, Wonder Woman wasn't a thing. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or Supergirl. <laughs> um, so, I, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but for me, my goal in any RPG I play is to roll as little dice as possible. Um, and for me, role-playing is very much a collaborative narrative experience. And I much prefer the storytelling aspect versus the stats aspect of any role-playing game. So I am the opposite of a murder hobo, um, where I, I usually like to try to craft ways to get around enemies, sneak past. I've been playing, you know, rogues and thieves since I was a little girl. Didn't even really understand how the game worked, but I wanted to be the sneaky, sneaky one. Um... <laughs> And that's always been my, my preferred play style. Now, since then, I've played more, like, dwarves and, and more warrior-like figures and, and tried to adopt a certain amount of that, but I think that there's also a certain intelligence for a fighter to have to not necessarily get into unnecessary fights. Um, and I think that makes for a, a much more interesting fight, fighter character than just, oh, that's a thing I can kill, have at you. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, even when I play more aggressive, uh, fighting characters, I still pull way back from where a lot of people who are playing wizards would be. Um, that's just my play style, and what I will say is that I've, I've been in groups where they like to just go for the, the kill, um, and there's certainly times where I respect that because there has certainly been a situation where we've had a party that's like sat there for half an hour trying to plan out how to bypass this enemy and then finally one of the players gets so fed up because we can't make a decision they're just like ah just attack him um, <laughs> which is you know always an appropriate response because there's definitely cons to this idea of being sneaky sneaky and then you're 
sitting there for half an hour not getting anything done and I can definitely see how that might be boring to some players. I love that stuff. I love strategizing and I could do that for hours and never actually get anywhere and feel like I had a great night of D&D. Um, but I also like exposition and movies, so I'm just weird all around. Well, I won't name names, but uh, the, the guys that I was playing with, um, I've, I think I've told you this before, one of them had a big old van and he had an upside down cross on it. And one day we played, we replayed and he got up and decided he was going to go home and he was back at about 20 minutes. It was, it was storming. That's why he was wanting to go home. He says, I just got my van struck by lightning. I am not getting back in that van ever again. (laughs) (laughs) He was convinced it was the upside down cross. So, weirdness travels. (laughs) I've always thought that was weirdest. I mean, if you're going to put one on there, (laughs) you were an idiot to start with. We were playing uh, Discos and Dungeons at North Texas. Carl was DMing, and I wasn't actually playing, I was just enjoying it, and... uh, but there was a, a lady at the table, and there were a couple murder hobos at the table. You know, you get whoever signs up. And uh, so they got in a situation where they were out on a road, and the party wasn't that huge, maybe five people, and a whole bunch of soldiers were coming by. And they weren't the friendly type of soldiers either. And so the murder hobos were all getting all geared up to fight, you know. And the lady says, well, let's try this without fighting. And so she went all new age, and um, everybody sat under a tree and started singing uh, positive vibe songs and stuff. And the soldiers drove up, and we didn't look threatening at all. You know, the party looked—I mean, no weapons inside or anything like that. And the soldiers just thought they were a bunch of weirdos and drove by. And <laughs> I mean, rode by on their horses. And uh, and the murder hobos were like, "Wow." We got out of that, and we didn't even kill anything. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's an example of where a player character can interject role-playing into Mm -hmm. a game that's leaning towards um, see it and kill it. Yeah, and I've definitely done that in the past where a player's first suggestion was to attack, and then I'm just like, whoa, whoa, hey, hold on a second. Let's let's explore our options here, because you might be surprised um, that this game with infinite possibilities might have something besides attack. Um, <laughs> I'm maybe not quite that condescending, but um, <laughs> but I have like been in that conversation before, and and generally speaking, you know. If, if that's your play style, the, the whole point of, of D&D is to kind of have your voice be heard. And it can be frustrating if you're not a particularly outspoken person and you like a certain play style, but the more outspoken people are kind of controlling the game, which can happen. Um, I am very outspoken and very good at taking control, so I don't personally have that problem. But if you're not comfortable with that and, you know you have a 
either a, a DM that's understanding that allows that kind of allows party balance and lets you to have your voice even if you're not comfortable breaking in yourself, then that's always good to talk to your DM about that. Or, um, you know, sometimes I know it's hard to get a group together, but a lot of what makes a a, a D and D group work is their their playstyle balance. And so if you're button heads consistently with a group it may just not be the right group for you because there are a lot of people out there that do not like this method of play. But there are a lot of people out there that do. And I think both are valid. I just fall more on the side of the the sneaky, sneaky route. I like to be sneaky, sneaky. Well, I have um, played an entire session, uh, two hours or even up to three hours, without battle. But I do think that uh, most of the time, uh, battle is the part of is a part of any D and D session. I just um, uh, even in battle, um, uh, I think there's a place for preparation and tactics and mm-hmm. being sneaky in battle. You know, um, whereas um, when you know, oh, five goblins, we can take them, so you just take them. You know. Instead of thinking, well, maybe we could talk to them or maybe we could get information from them or maybe we could just walk around them or maybe we could scare them into running away. We got some spells, we got some cantrips, you know. Uh, There's always a lot of other options besides just fighting. But I do think that the combat is an important part of the game, part of the fun, and it does help to get the adrenaline running. But yeah, I don't have much perspective from the from the DMing side. Um, usually, if if it's a real bad problem or if it's you know, just just one person that's uh, really aggressive about it, usually the DM could just kind of take control of the situation if the rest of the party clearly doesn't want to do it. Um, but there is a certain amount of allowing that player to do whatever they want to do. Um, but you don't want one player to ruin the entire game experience for everybody. So there's a, there's a balance as a DM that I don't have much perspective on, but, um, if, if it's what your party's into and it's a decision that your party made unanimously and it's not your preferred method of DMing, then again, you you get who you get and that's what your party's decision is. So that's what, what's going to happen is they're going to you've got five people that all just like to rush into battle you can make the battles difficult or you can kind of give them a little bit of a nudge that maybe there's other ways to do it but ultimately it's their decision but i think if you have one person who's like that and the rest of the party doesn't want to do that you can't just let that one person take control over every combat situation by just rushing in and ruining it for everybody else so I don't know as much about like how to sway that, um, but that is probably the more difficult scenario to deal with because you want that player to have their voice, but you also don't want to ruin it for the rest of the party. There are in-game consequences, and the in-game consequences, uh, that things that happen to a player like that, are exactly what you would expect. He's always in there first. He's starting the fights. He gets hit a lot more than everyone else. Sometimes he dies. Sometimes he has to be carried to be resurrected. 
um, or whatever, you know. Um, and uh, then there's also, if you have a whole party, like say three or four players and they're all fighters and they're all, every time they see something, they, they're jumping in and fighting and you're the DM, you can have your, your other guys uh, come in and start negotiations before you see the whole party even, you know. So um, just like a party might send someone forward to try to negotiate or see if they can talk to them, uh, it could be the other side can send a goblin over and say, uh, uh, we uh, don't really want to fight you guys, uh, blah, 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 you know. <laughs> uh, if you let us leave, we'll leave, you know. It's, uh, um, and then they get the idea from that. Um, which reminds me, uh, uh, going back to the uh, uh, characters playing other playing evil character classes. Um, in literature, uh, Adam turned me on to this book about a goblin who's the hero. And he's mm -hmm. a puny goblin. And it's like a trilogy and everything. And it's very exciting. And the, the adventurers are uh, kind of stereotype, royal, murder hobo type. You know, and so the goblins uh, really hate the adventurers because they're such um, um, rude people. <laughs> but they they fall into the stereotype of fighters, you know, or princes, you know. Yeah, <laughs> nothing's worth the, worse than a prince. <laughs> so, um, Vivian, you always taught us to talk to try to. Try to negotiate when you could. Oh, you mean when you're... Yeah, back, yourself, back yeah. in the Kendrick days. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, we learned uh, from Vivian that negotiating is a possibility. It's logic. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't, you better have a weapon. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, when the first time that I started playing was right after I got out of high school, and um, the, I was at um, a two-year college, and uh, with a bunch of straight-laced instructors, and uh, it was uh, it was a little iffy. Um, they did they probably would not have really liked it that we were doing it but uh, since we stayed pretty low-key and out of every you know out of the limelight they just let it go and um, I don't know how I ended up being such a important part of the administration but somehow I did and um, the uh, the dean of the school called called me in one day and asked me about this game that everybody was playing in the in the lunchroom and I explained to him what role playing was and what it was about and he says, well, I mean, are are you you know playing like you're killing everybody or whatever? And I said, no, we we just play. It's a role playing game. You you make up a character and you try to. Have, you know, follow the uh, the way you set that character up to act, and 
and whatever happens, happens. And I said, everything's done by rolling dice. You, it's not, you don't make the decisions yourself. You roll a dice and you do whatever happens, you know, with, with the dice roll and just going, so it's all, you know, just a matter of luck. And I said, pretty much. He says, well, he said, I think there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and I mean, he was a pretty old guy too at the time. He'd been there. He, he'd worked his way up the levels from being a instructor up to being a head of the university or well, college at that point. And uh, he came over one day and sat down with us to find out what it was about. He was very intrigued. So it shows you that even old goats can like new things. <laughs> there she is talking about me again. Yeah, I heard that. I really think I mean, I know this honestly isn't true, but I think more often than not, the the only roadblock to D&D is just sitting down and playing it for, for the first time. I think pretty much anybody, if they get their particular flavor of role-playing, really enjoy it. Because it all harkens back to that childhood imagination. Mm-hmm. And pretty much every child played pretend when they were younger and enjoyed it and there's something about that that i think that is across the board with all age groups and all demographics that there's just certain parts of us that enjoy fantasizing i mean and that's what it is it is it is a fantasy that you get to play out with a group of friends and have your adventure or live through your zombie apocalypse or you know be a crew on a spaceship whatever your flavor is that's that's across the board so if you like murdering people uh, all the time then get with a party and a dm that's cool with that if you like being sneaky sneaky then find the group that works for you but i guarantee you if you're struggling with one group or one particular play style um it's probably not the game overall it's just that particular scenario that you're in that's mm-hmm. holding you back because I think pretty much everybody if they get into the right situation will like D&D or some variant role playing game at first when I was playing I did not want to DM and the more I played the more I stepped into that role so it may have been difficult I don't know <laughs> Um, but they got to the point where they really wanted me to do one and make it play. And I don't know if it was because I was the only girl there or whatever, but I ended up DMing a lot of their games. Which I wish. Kind of wondered why. But. That way you weren't breaking up their boys' club. <laughs> <laughs> But also you DM'd with the boys because they were the boys and they were learning to play and they wanted to play a lot, you know, so that left it on you to DM. No, that was a long time after college. Yeah. I'd already been down that road, so anyway, I guess I don't know how experienced you've been with with role-playing like that, but 
we were at work a lot too, so we didn't really have enough time to sit around the table and listen to them figure out how they were going to attack the 650 rebels coming. That was always mm-hmm. more of a player character than a DM. I, I had DM'd and now I'm getting more into DMing again, but I never uh, was a regular DM for, I always wanted mm-hmm. to just play. Yeah. There was a magazine that came out right after Karen Carl started playing wholeheartedly. And I can't remember what the name of the magazine was, but it always had like three or four different kinds of quests in it. And I would buy that magazine. And I wouldn't always run the quest like it was written because, you know. But um, I don't know if they still do that or not. Or, But it was a real blessing for these newbie kids because um, it was a, something in black and white. It wasn't mama telling them or whatever, you know. Um, we had, let's see, it was... Adam, the two boys, Robbie from next door. Do you remember who else it was? Bobby and me and Megan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Megan was pretty young back then. Yeah, she, she played. played, though. Yeah. Remember playing? Yeah, I mean, I remember playing all my life, but I, you know, I just have certain flashes of memories from certain games. I don't really remember full story arcs or campaigns or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So that magazine was Dungeon Magazine and um, we used to get it all the time and um, uh, it's now no longer being produced but there are a ton of uh, webzines, magazines and then there's the whole drive through RPG with tons of free and pay what you want quests and rule books etc etc so um, no end of resources still available for a DM today but back then Dungeon Magazine and the manuals themselves that was about it Mm. no there was another one Um, we used to go to what's what was the name of that bookstore at the mall Oh. Hastings. Hastings. We used to go to Hastings and and buy buy them. Uh, there was this. There were two different magazines. There was a dungeon, and then there was another, besides dungeon, a different one. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't remember. I remember dungeon. You know. Yeah. But this one came after that one. Uh, by the time. By the time the kids were really grasping what was what it was about this other magazine came out and it would have it had lots of artwork in it I remember that much I don't know what I think Carl's probably got all those magazines I don't know I'll have to ask him sometime Mm. so one more thing on the on the topic of murder hobos from the DM's perspective Um, if if you feel like that's happening a lot where especially if your party's split or if you've got a party that seems to be in attack mode all the time but you think might enjoy other aspects of the game there's the tried and true method of introducing combat free puzzles that kind of force Uh the party to think outside the box and not just tackle everything 
Um, and that's just that's just a way that you can, if if you have kind of like some that like the combat and some that don't like the combat, you can kind of have that balance and let those who who want to do the more puzzly and um, negotiation or or whatever aspects of it, you can figure out ways to do that without combat being an option. Um, and then if you have a party that you think they just keep defaulting to combat, but they might enjoy other aspects like that scenario that dad was talking about at the convention where the, the girl just kind of said, well, maybe there's another way, um, as a DM, you can introduce those kinds of thinking processes by just introducing puzzles and letting them play those sections out and understand that there's other aspects to the game other than just rolling dice. Yep. This is true. And a lot of people don't count XP anymore, um, but when the game was back in the day, XP was how you leveled up. You had to get so many XP, and at the end of the night, you calculated up how much your XP was. And one of the main sources for those XPs was monsters killed. So if you killed a big monster, you got a lot of XP. So the game itself, at the beginning, encouraged, you know, with scores, you know, killing mm-hmm. monsters, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yeah, the original D&D magazines, that little crisp magazines that came out would have a, um, I don't know what you would call it, um, a graph. You know, if you did this and this and this, you got this many points and you could, you know, raise your level a little bit, you know. And a lot of it went to Monsters Killed. Yep. Raising points. The more monsters you kill, the bigger your, you know, your uh, asset was. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was going somewhere else, but I guess I'll just leave that to the side. <laughs> <laughs> your ass was. <laughs> oh, I would always win that one. <laughs> Well, Megan, I think we've come to a good stopping place. <laughs> I feel like you're correct. I mean, how are we going to top it? It ain't going to get no better than that. What's <laughs> <laughs> well, a smart asshole? It's a smart <laughs> What was that? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a trip. Um, <laughs> the destination was rocky. Um, but <laughs> we've all, we've all lost our minds a little bit. We'll be, we'll be back again in a couple of weeks for the book club. We're doing, uh, is it Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson? Is that right? Right, right. Warbreaker right, right. by Brandon Sanderson. And you can go to the, um, Related to Geeks group on gamer plus and there's a link to where you can get free downloads because this is one that uh brandon sanders released like a serial a chapter at a time like charles dickens used to and then he rewrote it and rewrote it and all of that is creative commons licensed awesome awesome yep i need to get on that because i have a bad habit of waiting until the last minute uh but yeah that book club will be back here at Tinker's Tavern in two weeks on the 20th 
um, of July at 9 p.m. Central Time. And we will have that discussion. But we are here every Monday night with just open gaming chat or a podcast or a book club or something fun to do. So we encourage you all to show up and hang out with us. Okay, then. Bye. 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 Have a good night. You have been listening to the Related to Geeks podcast, recorded July 6, 2020, on the Monday Night Inspired Unreality Open Game Chat, held at Tankers Tavern on Discord. For more about our geeky family, visit relatedtogeeks.com. For more information about Inspired Unreality, join Gamer Plus, a social network for gamers, at gamerplus.org. The music for this show is Sneakin' Round by Harry Larry from the Blues for Peace CD. By the chicken shack Stars are shining bright I know moon out tonight